Hallelujah. It's not only needless pain, it's also a valuable time we waste. Searching all over when it is found only in Him. <laughs> and time is the most precious commodity we have. Already almost 10 hours of the day is done for us in India. That means we have only 14 hours left of which people will generously sleep. <laughs> some 6, some 8, some 10, some 12. <laughs> but we just thank God we are here. It's the 6th of the third month. And we just thank God for every day he give us, gives us. And it is his day because he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. We can't make days. The devil can't make days. Only God makes the day. You know why? Because if God says it's over, it's over. Then the day without end begins. Shall be a day of fear for many, terror for many, shame for many, and joy for few. I don't know which category we will all fall into. Okay. So this morning, before we go to the word, Peter, I would invite you to be, be seated in one of the chairs over there. Otherwise, you will steal the half the cool air. <laughs> it's not I'm being considerate to you, I'm being considerate to the others. Okay. So now that we are all settled, shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We have the joy of the Lord. The joy the world didn't give and the world cannot take. We have your peace. The world didn't give, the world cannot take. That's why, Lord, there are certain things in life which can be only found in you. Outside of you, it simply doesn't exist. So we just thank you, Lord. We know we are privileged because not that we found you, that you chose us. We do not know yet why. All we can say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you that we are your children. So many people are born, they live, they die without ever encountering you. But we just thank you, Lord. You reached out in time and touched us. And we are yours. And we can call you by name and you call us by name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Once again, this morning we come to the ministry of the word. And we know people are waiting. <clears throat> there are so many listening. Invisible to us, most of them, but visible to you. So we surrender as a community of believers, as the body of Christ into thy hands. And we pray, Lord, speak to us. Strengthen us. Give us a word for today. A word for this season. Strengthen us, Lord. Equip us, Lord. Because grace comes only through faith. And that's what we need to stand today. And it's all that we need to stand today is your grace. Let your word generate faith that we may access grace at our point of need. And we will know thy grace is sufficient for us. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> We've been looking from the book of Thessalonians. We're going in detail so that we understand the concepts. Last uh, week, we had looked at 
First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. And we saw. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and our Father. That's what had happened. We looked at it, the three things. And Paul would say uh, that The most important are these three things in the kingdom of God. And we had looked at faith last week. And we saw the five aspects of faith. There are many, but five. And we began with value. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. That's where our heart. And one of the major issues with Christians face, not non-Christians. They don't face it at all because they don't know what it is. What Christians face is that we don't value faith. And therefore, we do not access grace. And grace is all that we need. All that we need is grace. To the the most, the greatest apostle, Paul, or the simplest person on earth, all that we need is grace. And grace is the power of God. It is the virtue of God. It is the strength of God. It will meet us at our point of need. And grace is sufficient. A woman with an issue of blood or an apostle facing persecution wherever he goes, both of them need grace. And we access it by faith. And God says, we need to value grace, value faith. We need to value faith. And that's what we saw. She had an issue, 12 years of losing life, and she had spent all her money. Yet one touch. She heard, she went from the back, she touched the hem of his robe, it was done. No, and we need to value faith. And faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And value. You have to realize how much time do we actually spend propping up, increasing, strengthening our faith. Okay, How much time do we actually spend? And there's only one way. There are no two ways for it. There is only one way. Okay, There are no two ways. There is only one way. And the word of God says faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the Word of God. And the question God asks is, do we hear? Do we hear? No, I'm not talking about reading or listening. Okay? Everybody is listening, but who hears the voice of the Spirit? Everybody can listen to my voice. It's very easy. But hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit is what is difficult. It is not easy. We have to create that condition. Create that condition where we hear the Spirit speak to us. And He speaks to us according to our need. He speaks to us according to our situation. And that's where the breakthrough comes. We need to hear what he is saying. So we saw value. We heard there is a voice that speaks to us. And the voice that we speak in response to that voice. Okay, It's not a voice of unbelief. It's a voice of belief. Okay, She heard about Jesus and she said to herself. And there is a vision. Okay, where there is no vision. When you have heard, it doesn't stop there. You have a vision. She decided, you know what? I am going to go from. She had to make it very clear. I cannot go from the front. I cannot be visible because of my situation. So this is what I am going to do. She has a vision very clearly. Do we have a vision what we are going to do? You know, remember when our church began <coughs> 13 years?
years ago. God had said very, very clearly. Okay, we had nothing there, not even a sound system. <laughs> and most of you weren't even there for the first service. Nobody was, uh, nobody sitting here was there for the first service. Right, nobody was there. Is was anybody there for the first service? No, I was, I'm the only one of those who are sitting here. So you realize there was nothing. Nothing there. I mean, started in the floor of my apartment, right? Because there weren't even enough chairs, so it started on the floor. But one thing God had told, you will record every message. Okay, message. And I had one small little MP3 player, and I put it in my pocket. And that message is still there. And you know how many people have listened, have written me about the first. Even new believers who got saved in this uh, in this last one year pandemic, they've gone back and listened to those messages from the first one. But if I hadn't recorded, I myself would have forgotten. <laughs> no, it was about call chosen and being faithful, right? So he gave, told us something and we worked that out and it's still continuing. So we have to, we have to have a vision and then we saw it has vitality, it has vigor. And then we saw at the end, it ends up, faith always ends up in victory. It will win over flesh, it will win over the world, it will win over the enemy. <clears throat> but today, we are not looking at the work of faith. We are looking at the second one, looking at an incident from the Old Testament to see. It says, the labor of love. Okay, There's a work of faith. But love just labors. Okay, Faith, there is an expectation. Please remember, faith, there is an expectation. In love, there are no expectations. There are no expectations. You just do it out of sheer love for God and for God's people. Okay? If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. It is not Shakespeare's love's labors lost. With God, it is never lost. Okay? Can we shut that door? Got the AC is on. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. If you look at verse 11, he says, if you don't give up, in due season, right? Yeah, my, uh, we, uh, that's another portion, I think, if I'm right. Yeah. Yeah, where he will, yeah, we, he, in our due season, right? Let us not, for due season, we shall reap if you do not lose heart, okay? But there is a labor of love. Yeah, we'll go back to Hebrews, yeah? There is a labor of love. And we never give it up, give up. Okay, we give up. And it is the love which you showed to his name and the result was we ministered to the saints. That we were not ministering to him, we were ministering to the saints. Okay? That's what love does. And there is a reward for that love too. There's a reward for faith. There's a reward for love. Though you expect nothing, there's a reward for love. So we turn today to Second Kings chapter 4 and verses 8 to 17. Second Kings chapter 4 verses 8 to 17. It happened one day, okay? Now, it's, it's, it's an, it's, it's an incredible. The Bible doesn't waste words and time. Okay, because God knows. <laughs> I've given all, everybody only so much time. Okay, why? Because verses 1 to 7 is a completely different narrative where you have a poor widow who's neck deep in debt because of her husband who's dead. It's a, it's a servant of God. And what happens is the creditors have come to take her children to be sold, to pay off the debts. And that's her cry. 
a poor widow and her sons are going into slavery and God intervenes and by the end of the day she has got plenty, she is debt free and she has enough to live. In verse 8, it's a rich woman who has no want. God is not a respect of persons. In verse 7, she needs faith. In 8 onwards, she doesn't need faith. There are a lot of people who don't really, don't struggle to have faith because when they look into the material realm, they got everything they need. And what they don't need, they don't even apply faith because it's simply impossible. So they don't even apply. If like people sitting over here, who wants to be the Prime Minister of India? Nobody. Because now it's impossible. <laughs> so nobody even thinks about those things. That's, that's beyond me. Yeah, that's beyond me. And it is not even, doesn't even cross my mind because, okay, maybe there was a time when you thought about it, but I have crossed that time. Okay. 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 Cross that time. So like that, here is a lady. Now it happened one day, Alicia Vendishune, where there was a notable woman. Okay. She's a rich woman, well-to-do woman, reputable woman, different words that are used in different translation. She persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed for him there, a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be. Whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he sent to Gehazi, his servant. Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her. Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what is, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. So if you look into the picture, she has no faith. Okay? She's not even hoping for anything. Okay, So this is not a question of faith. This is a question where she labors because she simply loves God. Okay, And when you serve God, and his people, because you just love him, the impossible in your life can become possible. God can make it possible. Okay, It's not that you don't have a need. You think it is impossible. You're not even praying about it anymore. The stage of faith in that area is gone. Okay, There's no hope there. There's no faith there. Faith is a th- substance of things hoped for. There's no hope there. Okay, you will see later. If you, if you, if you look at verse 14, Gehazi's answer is there. What does she, verse 15, if I am, yeah, 14. Gehazi, she has no son and husband is old. Husband is an aged man. There's no possibility of her having a son. Okay? Possibility of having a son. So there is no hope. There is no faith. Let's go to verse 8. Now it happened one day, Elisha went to Shunem. Okay? Elisha there represents both the voice and the power and the presence of God. One man there. 
Okay, he represents God to the people. He speaks for God. He has the power of God. He has the unction of God. He has the sanction of God, and he brings the presence of God. So it happened one day. Elisha passed Shunem. Okay, we don't know when God will pass. We don't know when the move of God will happen. One day, every day is not the same. One day, there are times when God just turns up in your life, turns up in your house, turns up in the church. There is a presence of God, and there is a manifest presence of God. Okay, one day, Elisha passed your name, and we have to wait because we do not know when He will pass us by. We do not know when He will pass us by. We have to wait. We watch. We pray. It's like the second coming of Jesus Christ. We don't know. God says, "Watch, wait, and pray." Okay. And the Bible says there was a notable woman. Okay, a well-to-do woman. Okay, that's why I said that the contrast between the first seven verses and the subsequent verses. There's a poor widow, and she comes crying to Elisha. There's a rich woman who has no need. And God is not even sending Elisha to her. He's just passing on the road. Okay? Passing on the road. We'll come back to verse 8. But let's go to verse 9. And she said to her husband, Look, I know that this is the holy man of God who passes by us regularly. KJ will say, I perceive. It's a more powerful term in English. I perceive. Okay? I perceive. He's a holy man of God. Look, I know. The question is, do we know? She has no need. He's passing by. One day she called him for a meal. And then maybe next time also she called him for a meal. Okay? And she doesn't say she, he's a man of God. She says he's a holy man of God. Okay? He's a holy man of God. <clears throat> The question is, Elisha walks down the streets and Elisha has walked down many streets. He has passed many houses. He has met many people. Did they perceive he's a holy man of God? Did they invite him to their house? Did they invite him to their house? Yes, they have no need. Everybody who had a need went to him. But the question is, what about the people who had no need? Did they invite him to his house? And did they give him bread, as KJV will call him, fresh baked bread? She served him. And then she perceived. You know, he didn't preach in her house. He didn't preach in her house, but she perceived something. Okay? Perceived something. Okay. That's the issue. The presence of God passes many streets, many homes, many lives. The question is, do we perceive? Hmm? Nobody saw it. And nobody invited him. The need was always there. In the prophet's life. But nobody saw it. Nobody invited him. She actually had no need. No need. But she invited him in. No, Invited him. Go back to verse 8.
വേദവാസനോട് ആൻഡ് ഷി പെർസ്വേഡ് ഹിം ടു ഈറ്റ് സം ഫുഡ് കൺസ്ട്രെയിൻഡ് ഇസ് ദർഡ് കെ ജെ മീൻസ് യു ഹാവ് ടു ഫുൾ ടൈമ we are bandits in bible we know elisha his history story and all very well but people in his time no and those days is no telecom also so nobody know facebook no whatsapp no group chat nothing is there okay she constrained him to eat bread in luke 24 and verse 29 they didn't know who he was but we were hoping it was oh 2429 not 21 2929 24, they constrained him saying abide with us for it's toward evening and the day is far spent they don't know it is it is jesus but they don't know it is jesus and he was like pretending to pass by and they said please 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 come and stay here eat with us what if they hadn't constrained their eyes wouldn't have opened for the word of god says because they constrained him he came in he sat with him and when they were eating bread when he broke bread their eyes were opened you know why this woman will birth a son no why this woman will birth a son we know the story who will die later he will bring her back to life and that incident has blessed millions and millions of people and spurred acts of faith unimaginable in the kingdom of god because she constrained him to come to her house to eat on act constrained him no and these are the things which we forget you know these are the things that's why i said the purpose of the ministry of faith is to spur us to do things for god we constrain god we constrain god the question is did we constrain the spirit of god constrain the spirit of god did we this morning it like i said it's already 10 hours are over should we constrain the spirit of god lord i will not let you pass me by lord this is morning honestly i'm telling you this morning was a struggle <laughs> yesterday i thought i knew what i was going to preach morning i get everything i'm trying is falling apart this was at not at all what i thought till i went to sleep last night i was going to preach absolutely no. morning from 6:25 to 4:50 till 5 o'clock i struggled nothing was falling into place i could show you my books what i have written are different messages different then you know you have to battle sometimes no he's like this lover who wants to be chased <laughs> the lover of my soul no who has to be chased okay so i had to do a little uh, J- jacobian wrestling okay yeah jacobian wrestling then it started falling into place okay falling into place is like there's a work of love work of faith it's a labor of love and he went over there and it started falling into place you have to constrain him some style by force restrain him please please it's not that i want anything i just 
want you to come into my house and eat a meal with me. Eat a meal with me. We know Revelation 3.20 very well, right? Oh, 3.20, not 21. Am I going wrong in my syllable numbers? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now here, the apostle, the prophet is not even knocking. He's not even looking in her home's direct direction. He's just walking down. And she's the one who goes down and constrains it. We have a different situation. Here we have a God who knocks on our door. And we just let him go. We don't even open the door. Forget the door. We don't even open our eyes. Okay. Here he is the one. There she is the one who constrains him. And if you go back to verse 8. The Bible says, <clears throat> right? So it was, as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Sometimes I like the old, reminds me of Shakespeare, the thither and the wither and all that, okay? Whither thou goest. <laughs> okay. So one meal led to other meals. One encounter with Jesus Christ leads to other encounters with God. One time of fellowship with God leads to other times of fellowship with God. It's not a one-time thing. It should lead to more. Okay, lead to more. A lot of people have washed the feet of God's servants only once. And after that, they said, I have done my duty. That's why it's called a labor of love. This is not duty. It's more than duty. More than duty. It's a labor of love. Like I've told you this illustration many times, the difference. Uh, me and my wife and our youngest kid, we were in Ranchi. And because the, this, our kids come from US, timings are crazy, you know. And uh, these kids cannot eat our stuff too, what we, and we at home, we will cook what they want. We are in Ranchi. Suddenly at 11 o'clock in the night, the youngest one says, I'm hungry. Okay. We call the restaurant, they say it is closed. It is shut, everybody is gone. Why? Time, it's over. But when they are at home, does the mother say 11 o'clock, kitchen shut? No. I see her at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, going down and making stuff for them. You know why? It is not duty. What does the fellow at the counter say? At the Duty time over, madam. Okay, okay. That's the difference. Okay, we are not looking at duty. Though duty is great in the kingdom of God. Okay, there is a work of faith, but this is not the work of faith. This is the labor of love, the labor of love, which constrains. Okay, and Paul talks about that. The love of God constrains my heart. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. There are people who preach the gospel by duty. By duty. Okay? And that's over. That's finished. Done. I've done my duty. And there are those who preach the gospel, who minister because they are constrained by the love of God. And that's why the Bible says the love is the greatest. Where even faith fails, love continues. Love continues. Okay? And that's the difference we have to look over here. That's what the Bible is talking about, right? We have to constrain him. 
Are you satisfied with one meal on a meal a week? Maybe it's a long meal, big meal, fat meal, healthy meal in GTC because it's almost two hours on a Sunday. Or maybe two meals a week. Are you satisfied? It's a question. So whenever he passed that by, he f- turned because you know what? He knew. It is like Jesus in Bethany. He goes to different towns. Very eight, very large. It's hardly written. Many place times he had to go sleep in the open in the gardens. But in Bethany he knew, I will have a place and I will have food to eat. Whenever he went to Bethany, it was one particular place. You know? The question is that, can the Spirit of God feel the same way about us? If I go to this person, I will be welcome in his heart. I can sup with him. He will not say, I am too sleepy. I am too busy. Will he put everything aside? Will he put everything aside? No, That's the question. Will he put everything aside for me? Do we make God welcome? <clears throat> it's a simple question. Can we make God welcome? That whenever he passes, that's that word, as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Okay, we'll go to NKJV, otherwise my little children sitting here will wonder what is thither, and their mind will start to wither, right? Ten days, ten years and two days old, I know. Now it, okay, so it was as Often as he passed by, he would turn in there. Think about it. As often as the Spirit of God moves, he says, you know what? There's one heart, I can turn it. And I can fellowship. That's what eating bread primarily means in the, in the Word of God. I can fellowship. I can eat bread in this house. I can eat in this person's life. I will, I will find a welcome in this person's place. It doesn't matter what time of the day is because it's not written that he came every time at the same time. Prophets, when they finish and go, it may be 11 in the night, 12 in the night, 1 in the morning, but you know, you know what? One knock, it will be opened. I will always have a welcome. Always have a welcome. No? In the Song of Solomon, I have written about, no? we have spoken it many times. The Spirit of God comes and knocks. She's already in her pajamas and nightgown and all. Stockings are also on and she's on. I don't want to get up. I put lotion on my hands and feet also. I don't want to dirty my hands. Then after some time she gets up. But by the time she opens the door, he's gone. And then she goes in search of him. She gets beaten up. Because the Spirit of God has left. Okay, Spirit of God has left. So you need to see there. He was always, always welcome in our house. And that's one of the fundamental things. We need to see that the Spirit of God, the Word of God is always welcome in my life, Lord. In my heart, you're always welcome. I'll never say no. It doesn't matter what time of the day is. You know, that is not the work of faith. That is the labor of love. That, Lord, you wake me up, I am there at your service. I'll get on my knees and pray. You put that burden for me. I will, you have something to speak. You have something to speak to me. Lord, you can speak. I told you last week it was exactly at 1 a.m. Because I knew the time was important. And it was 1 a.m. 
And then I couldn't remember after when I woke up what. And then he reminded me later this week what it was. I'm not going to share it because certain things are not to be shared. Okay, just exactly at 1 a.m. Okay. Now for somebody who goes to sleep around 11.30 in the night and wakes up at 3.30, you don't want to wake up at 1 a.m. <laughs> you don't want to wake up at 1 a.m. Okay. I mean, I, knew, I know it so vividly because I took this out and it was exactly 1 a.m. 1 a.m. Okay. You know what? She said something. It was not that I was asking or went to sleep hoping or dreaming for something. He just came in and spoke something and left. Okay, something and left. No, you know what we miss when we don't make God welcome in our lives. You know, welcome. And she made him welcome. And whenever it he went past that way, he would turn and he knew he was welcome in this house. So verse nine and ten. I will go to verse. We read. We looked at verse nine, right? <clears throat> and she said to her house. Look now, I know this is the holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Okay, now think about it. Okay, I have a feeling. It's my feelings are right. I believe, not scripturally, I do not know, but right, because you've been in ministry for so many years and you've been in different places. Okay, now imagine this is the way you go to Shunem, to Carmel. Next day you are going to another place where if you have to go by a name, you have to walk another two extra kilometers. So usual trip to Carmel, you go this way only let us say once a month. And there are others destinations. And Elisha says, you know what? I'm going to that place via this place. Because regularly. Passes by us regularly. You know why? Because I have a home. That is welcoming me. Okay, so God starts to pass us by regularly. Once it was occasionally. Now He starts to pass us by regularly. We start experiencing the manifest presence of God more regularly in our life. It's not like before. More regularly. No, more regularly. Therefore, she says, you know what? Please, please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. Please. Okay? So now, she moves to the next level. First it was one meal, then many meals, now regular meals. She says, that's still not enough. Okay? She's telling her husband, okay, let's make a room for him. Let him stay with us. Whenever he wants, he doesn't have to eat and go. Let him rest. Let him rest here. Let us make a room for him. Please, let us make a dwelling place for him. Okay? The foundation was laid by one meal. To many meals. To regular meals. To now a room. Okay? Maybe it started at church. You encountered Christ at church. You experienced the presence of God at church. But now you are saying, you know what, Lord, I want to take you home. I'm not satisfied by meeting you at church or at the church office also. Yes, I experience you when I come to church. But when I leave and I go back home, you're still not there. You know what? 
Yes, that's why I come regularly to church. I attend every meeting. Because every time I come, I feel your presence. But Lord, will you dwell with me? Can I take you home? Can I make a place for you where you will dwell with me? No. She was investing in the kingdom of God. Without no expectations. Robert, this is a saint in the new covenant principle. She's ministering to a servant of God. Okay? To sup and go to abide with me. It's not thinness for. It is thinness stay. <laughs> thinness and stay. Okay. For those who are listening online, thinness for is a very well-known uh, restaurant here, which in Telugu means eat and go. This is not eat and go. This is eat and stay. Let us make a room. And that will birth the impossible in her life. Think about it. If she hadn't made that room, what she would have missed, what the kingdom of God would have missed. You know? That's why I said you have to value certain things in life. You, know? you have to value. She valued the man of God. She valued the servant of God. She valued the things of God. And she's moving from value to honor. You know what? It's not enough that I value him and give a meal. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to give him a place in my house. And when you honor him, you need to realize this is, this is, these are fundamental principles in the kingdom of God. From value to honor, to honor to favor. Honor to favor. You have favor with God and favor with man. It moves from value. First you start valuing the things of God. And when you start honoring the things of God, and then you move into favor, receiving favor from God. And that's what she does. You know? And look at there. She said, let us make a small upper room. So don't worry. God doesn't want a big room. He wants a small but upper room. The location of the room matters. Okay? He doesn't want a big room, a small. It's a small but upper room. Okay? You know, just clench your fist like this. That's the size of your heart. In your whole body, this is the size of your heart. But that's the upper room. That's where he wants to stay. Small. The size of my heart. I think the shape would be something like this, the other way around. Practically, yeah. Size of your heart. And that's up here. And that's where he wants to be. Okay. So, that's what she does. A small upper room. So the question is, position really matters. Where have you placed God? A lot of people don't receive the things and have given up on things because they look at it impossible when it is actually possible with God, because in God's word there is nothing called impossible. It is simply not because they do the things of God, they don't put God first. They don't put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Putting God first. That's what it means, putting God first. Let us make a small upper room for and where? Upper room on the wall. wall. 
It's interesting if you make a small upper room on the wall of your life. He becomes your watchman. He watches over your life. He speaks to you. All those who have ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says. He's the watchman. We think we are watching. He says, no, you're not the watching. I'm the one watching. I told you to watch and pray, but you're not able to watch because I have no place in your life. The entire command in the book of Revelation is here. All those who have ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says. So we think we are watching. We cannot watch unless he watches for us. Unless he watches. Let's go to Psalm 127 and verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Did you get it? If God is not in the upper room, it doesn't matter how long I stay awake and I fast and I pray. If I don't hear from the watchman, that is the Holy Spirit, I am still not prepared for his coming. Okay. And the watchman is on the wall. Let us make a small upper room on the wall. The thing is that when we make, give him that value and that honor and that space and that room in our life, he becomes a watchman on the wall and we become the watchman to the world. You getting it? If you and I do not hear from the Spirit of God, we have nothing to say to the world. How do we want them? If I am not warned first, how do I want them? How do you want them? We can have no warning because we have to hear in the first place. First place. And that's what the Bible is talking about. On the wall. He becomes the watchman on the wall. We become watchmen to the world. And our trumpet will make a sure sound for the season. A sure sound for the season. Okay. So she has influence with her husband. Okay, influence for the, with the husband. She's a church that has influence with the Lord. Persuasive. She has influence with her husband. Notable lady, reputable lady, well-to-do lady, with influence with her husband. And she tells her husband, let us make a room, a small upper room on the wall. And don't close over the term, the upper room. Don't ever Miss the significance of preparing an upper room for the Spirit of Christ. Because many things in the Bible took place in the upper room. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 15. Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. You take that upper room from the Bible this upper room from the Bible, you will not have the great in-depth teachings of Jesus Christ which begins from John 13 verse 11 all the way to 18 before he is arrested and taken. The in-depth core teaching to his disciples happens in the upper room. That's where the Passover meal is instituted in the new covenant. The table all happened in the that's where he washed the feet of his disciples. That is where Judas took the bread and went out to betray him. A lot of things happened in the upper room. There was a separation from the twelve. One went out into darkness. Eleven remained with him. All took place in the upper room. So don't miss, gloss over the significance of the upper room. 
when we build an upper room for God, for us, we will receive mysteries of God. He will reveal to us deep things which he cannot reveal outside. He will wash our feet in that place. He will teach us things how the king and the kingdom works. He will separate that is carnal and connected with world and gain and allow it to go into the darkness and never to come back. Things that happen in the upper room. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, the church is endured with power. They spent 10 days in a time of reflection. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. It is in the upper room the Holy Spirit came upon. It is in the upper room before the Holy Spirit came down in power. He could bring the church in unity and in one accord. In one accord. It happened in the upper room. Because Acts chapter 2 will say when they were all in one place, which is that place, that upper room, and in one accord, where did that happen? In the upper room. And the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire and they were endured with power and the world would never be the same again. The last supper of Jesus Christ in the upper room. The church endured with power in the upper room. In Acts chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. And it happened in those days that she became sick and died. This is Dorcas. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, disciples, Peter was there, implored him. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. And what did he do? He went up to the upper room. Arose, went with them. And when they had come, they brought him to the upper room. And the widow stood by him weeping. So the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. You know, it was her labor of love. It's not a work of faith. It was a labor of love. <coughs> she was probably a widow. We don't know about Dorcas. You know, you know what happened? She used to make a lot of stuff. Clothes. Clothes are very expensive those days. Okay, very expensive because material is not available to make. We don't have modern technology, right? And Peter put them all out, knelt down, prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. A resurrection took place in the upper room. A consecration took place in the upper room with Jesus and the disciples. A separation took place in the upper room. Endowment with power took place in the upper room. And a resurrection took place in the upper room. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse 8, something else happens in the upper room. And there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered. This is where Eutychus was sitting on the window and fell down. So if you are gathered in the upper room and by mistake, if you fall and die, you will be resurrected because you are found in the right place. Because there is resurrection power in the upper room. So build an upper room for God, a place where you give him that honor, prime position. Remember the words on which our church is built. That Christ shall have preeminence in all things. That's the upper room. And in the upper room for this lady, the impossible, what you don't even dare to utter, can come to pass. You don't, you wouldn't even dare to believe it is possible. Because in the natural, it is over. It is finished. So don't just have meals with the Lord. A meal with the Lord, or many meals with the Lord, a regular meals with the Lord, 
make an upper room. And just don't make room or make a room, but make the room for God, the upper room. That's where miracles happen. Make a room where the word of God may abide in us. Where dreams that died can come back to life. Going back to verse 10. Yeah. In English we say we have to bring the devil here. It's only if you miss him. The devil, uh, what say? How do you say? In the, the devil is in the details. <laughs> Okay, in the details. So don't even miss. Because God, like, like, like I say, uh, 6,000 years of human history, and you go around the world in every culture, millions and billions of books. But God has written only one. God has written only one. Billions upon billions upon billions of books. God has written only one. So he, so read that word very carefully. He doesn't waste words. Don't gloss over anything, even genealogy. Because God has written only one man. Okay, he used 40 people for 1800 years, but he wrote only one book. So the devil lies in the details. Details. Don't gloss over the details. Let us make a small upper room on the wall. That is why upper room, small, upper room, wall. Everything has to be looked at very carefully. Let us put a bed for him there, a table and a chair and a lampstand. Four things. Okay, we are not looking at those four things today. Four things, four principles of life with God. Four things, a bed, a table, a chair and a lampstand. In that order, that order. Order keeps on changing according to context. Whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. It's the ladies desire. Whenever he comes, he can turn in there. And verse 11. They must have just finished construction. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in there. One day he comes. They invited him. They said, please come. Bread is fresh. It's here. Come and eat. And then they said, you know what? We want to take you up. We have a new construction here. We made it for you. Please come up. Okay. People like Elisha, no compliments, nothing. No thank you, nothing. Goes there. <laughs> okay. And he lay down. What does the Bible say? He went in there. He didn't sit down. He went down and lay down. The day God finds rest in your life, your miracle begins. It's not that you found rest in God. That's a different thing. Come to me all, you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, take my yoke upon me, I will give you rest. That's a different thing. We are running to him. So different thing is, can God come and find rest in your life? He says, every house I go, it's only weeping and grieving and complaining and murmuring and give me that, give me that, I am so. But when I come to your life, it's calm. I can lay down here. I can lay down there. Okay. That's a, that's a thing. Elisha went there and he lay down. Okay, we have to look at principles. 
can God say that, no, I can come to his life, her life, and I am at rest. <laughs> we all know we go to Christ, we are at rest. That's understandable. We understand that, right? Understandable, right? You know? You know, I think as a, think as a, think as a parent, okay, now, okay, my children are all young, okay, but think about like, uh, let us say all my five children are in Hyderabad and they live in five different places. Okay, I and my wife are now aged, let us say in our 80s. And I tell my wife, you know, we are old. If we go to the eldest one, will we find rest? If we go to the second one, will we find rest? If we go to the third one, will we go rest? If we go to the fourth one, will we find rest? If we go to the fifth one, will we find rest? Where do you find rest? You have to think from God's point of view. God's point of view. Where will I find rest? Okay, where will I find rest? Where can, what kind of a house can God find rest? We are not talking about even about peace. It's, with God it's more than peace. <laughs> he lay down. No. And he lay down there. The prophet finds rest in a house in Shunem. Verse 12. Immediately. Then he said to Gahasi, his servant, call this Shunamite woman. When God finds rest in my life, he will call to me. I am not calling, call unto the Lord in the day of trouble, no. That's good. You should. We should do that. It's a different thing. He is at rest in my life and he calls unto me. He calls unto me. Call this Shunammite woman. It's God calling. It's God calling. It's not man calling God. It's God calling man. Okay. He calls. No. All those days you were calling unto God. But a day will come and God will call to you. And on that day, what will God say? Look at verse 13. On that day, what will God say? He said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? I see your labor of love. I see how you have served me. I see how you have served my people. All these years, expecting nothing. You didn't have to do it. But you went out of your way and you did it. You were expecting nothing. It was your simple labor of love for me. Now, I have come. I'm at rest in your place. I want to ask you, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Okay. Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? That's when she realized what influence this man has. You see, sometimes divine connections are made whereby because we served God faithfully, labored in love, we meet somebody who connects us to the king and to the commander, people in positions of power, whom we would have never otherwise would even have an audience with, simply because we washed the feet of saints. That's what it means, favor with God and favor with men. We would never meet them in our lifetime. Nobody would speak to the king on our behalf. The king doesn't even know who you are. 
doesn't even know who you are. But because we chose to labor in love, a connection is made. A connection is made. We need to look at it that way. Think about Joseph in the prison. Depressed, discouraged. That woman accused me falsely. I never did anything. All I was serve her husband and make her household prosperous. Look at my condition here. You know what? Woe unto me. No? Nobody loves me. I'm going to the garden to eat the worms. So, First I bite the head off. Then I suck the guts out. Nobody loves me. I'm going to the garden to eat worms. Was he like that? No. Even now, in 41st palace, he was free. In the sense, he had no chains. He was a slave, but a well-to-do slave. Had to become the overseer. Now he's in chains, in fetters, thrown in fetters. Even when he's thrown in fetters, he's looking for opportunities how to serve. And there are two people over there. And one day he looks at them, they are depressed. And he asks them, what is the reason? And they say, we have a dream. And he interprets the dream. And because that connection was made, because he chose to serve. And he was serving his God. He was serving his God. Whether you serve a man, a believer or a Gentile, because you have love in your heart, you are serving God. The Bible says he who lends to the poor lends to God. So he was serving God. But he did not know a divine connection had been made. One day, two years later, when the Pharaoh would have a dream which nobody could interpret, this is the man who brings the connection in. You know why the connection came? Because he labored in love. And it was Joseph's labor was the labor in love. With chains on his feet and chains around his neck. No? Labor. That's what God is talking about. Do we? Connections are made. Connection. How many connections we missed in life because we had faith. <laughs> it's great. We have works of faith. But we missed the labor of love. The labor of love. And that's what God is talking about. Because that is the day when God will call us and says, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak to the king? Do you want to speak to the commander? Do you have any issues? Is anybody trying to encroach into your property? You have any issues? No, the tax collector is taxing you too much. You want security? You want favor? Do you want me to talk to the king or this thing? And she says, I'm good. I dwell among my own people. I'm good. I'm safe. I'm good. I'm good. Meaning she does not even think about what she really has a lack. She doesn't even think it is possible. It doesn't even cross her mind. It doesn't even cross her mind. You know? But if you look at God, verse 14, God is persistent in blessing you. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gahasi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. She said, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. She came there, stood before him. I'm good. And she went back. And he asked Gehazi. Gehazi is a very shrewd character. He's not a wise man. He's a very shrewd character. Okay, Rama, we know Gehazi's history. He's a very shrewd character. He already calculated her age, husband's age, everything. He's taken an entire look at the property. Everything he has looked. Okay, only his skin color has changed. Heart is still the same. 
Okay. Okay. So Gyasi looked around and he said, you know what? She has no son and husband is very old. Okay. Everything. Okay. Everything. He said, call her. This is the second time he's calling. Okay. Second time is, first time he called her, she came, stood before, if you go to verse 13, you will see, call her, she comes and stands before him. Uh, uh verse 12, verse 12. Okay. Uh, he has, when he, <coughs> when he had called her, she stood before him and she said, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just dwelling among my people. And she went back. We have to understand the gap. We don't know even if it is happening at the same time or a subsequent day. Okay, we don't know, okay? Because after verse 17, you will have, you don't have to go there, verse 18, her son, he's grown up and he's, he's a young kid, probably 10 or 12 years, he has a headache. So in one line, 12 years have passed by. Okay, so how many days is gone between these two calls, we do not know. Okay, but the Bible is telling you about the narrative over there. Okay, and now in verse uh, 15, okay, he's calling her the second time. Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. <clears throat> that is another message. When God calls you, don't stand in the doorway. We saw the number of issues, people who really had a need, what obstacles they faced because people were standing in the doorway. Okay. Don't stand in the doorway. Okay, Don't stand in the doorway. Go near to him. The call is not to stand in the doorway. The call is to come near to him. Draw near to him. She stood in the doorway. You know, you know, if you understand the concept, even in our natural religious thing, when people stand in the doorway, it is a stance of unbelief. Okay. It's a stance of reluctance. Okay. I mean, like if somebody knocks at the door and you stand at the doorway, the fellow doesn't know whether he will invite you in or not. You know, right? You will always know it. When you open a door, you know, if you look at the person, you like him, you step backwards. And he comes in. Otherwise, you stand right over there. What do you want? She's standing in the doorway. A lot of people go to God and they stand in the doorway. They don't go forward. While he says, come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace, we stand at the doorway. We stand at the doorway. It's maybe your guilt that stops you. Maybe it's your sin that stops you. But the call is come and receive mercy. You don't have to stand in the doorway. Come. It's I know what you did. I know what you're going through. You don't have to stand in the doorway. Come. Boldly, confidently come. Don't stand in the doorway. Come near me. Come near me. And he goes. Okay. She stood there in the doorway. And <clears throat> verse 16. And then he said, about this time next year you shall embrace a son. Remember, the prophet is not speaking on his own. Okay? Prophets don't speak on their own. Prophets speak as they are moved by the Spirit of God. And if a prophet is not moved by the Spirit of God and he speaks, remember there is a lion waiting for him at the street. He'll be eaten by the lion on the street. Okay? Otherwise, if the Spirit of God is speaking through him, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. She's not calling him a liar or anything. She said, Please don't give me false hope. Please, 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 please. Okay? So you know 
that this was deep inside, which woman does not want a child? No? Modern women don't want child, children, but we are talking about normal terms. A woman wants a child and she had given that. She says, please, please don't. Proverbs 13 and verse 12. <coughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, desire comes, it's a tree of life. Desire comes, it's a tree of life. Go to Psalm 37. How does desire come? Yes, Dr. Richard, you're on the nail. That is 37, 4? Yeah. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know why she did all that shit? She was just delighting in the Lord. But there was a desire in her heart she wouldn't even dare to speak out or even believe when it was spoken. Don't. And God says, you know what? This time, next year, you will have the desire of your heart. You shall have the desire of your heart. Okay? Did you see? She had no faith. She had only love. That's why we say, love will take you where faith stops. It will take you beyond faith. Yes, we talk about faith. We talk about the work of faith. But there is something which is called the labor of love. In faith, there is always expectations. There is always expectation. But in love, there is no expectations. There is no expectation. You just do it. You just do it. You know why so many parents are miserable? Because they think they love, but they don't really love with the love of God. They love with the love of man. Not with the love of God. I'll tell you why. The difference. When God loves us, He loves us without any condition. He loved me before I was saved. He loves me after I am saved. He loved me when I did not know him, when I was his enemy, when I was a sinner, and when I had no power. He loved me the same way he loves me. That's the nature of God's love. He loves without expectations. But, but the problem with us, human love is whether it is a husband, wife, or a wife, husband, parent, children, or children, parent. Our love is always tainted with expectations. And we call it love. And therefore, you know what? When the expectations cease, the labor stops. Or the a labor gets diluted. And we start complaining. And we start murmuring. No? And that's why this woman stands out really, really special. She had no expectations. She didn't want a prayer. She didn't have a need. She didn't have a request. No, he's, he's giving her an open request. Tell me what you want. I'll speak to the king or the commander. She says, nothing, I'm good. So if you ask her, why do you do this? She would have said, because I love the God of Israel and you are a servant of God. Oh, I love him and I see you over here and I, I just saw an opportunity to love my Lord. That's the only reason I did it. And she did it consistently. Consistent. And she went beyond one meal to many meals to regular meals to build a house also. A room also up there. Like, and furnished the room also. Not an empty room, go sleep on the floor. No, furnished room. Sit and eat on the floor. No, sit at the table. 
Come before it is dark. No, put a lampstand also. Everything. It is a labor of love. No, and we need to we need to go beyond faith. There is a reward for love, which even faith cannot produce. Even faith cannot produce. Yes, we know it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who comes to God must believe that He is and is a rewarder of those who earnestly. There are rewards of faith. If rewards of faith are great, and love is the greatest, then what are the rewards of love? What are the rewards of love? Think about it. The rewards of faith, we have an entire list in Hebrews 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then God turns around and says, you know what? He says, you know why my son died on the cross? It was not faith. It was love. For God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son. And you know for his love what he will get back? He will get back a bride who loves him that way. One day he will have a bride. Who will say every day of her life, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Not because she is being persecuted. It's irrelevant. She may be at the best stage of her life. She has no need on earth. Prosperous church. Absolutely no persecution. It's got everything going for it. Yet from the cry of her heart is, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. You know what? Everything I'm doing is waiting for that moment when I can see you face to face. That's the reason I do everything. We need to ask ourselves, is our love that we talk about tainted by the flesh? Or is it the Sunamite woman? She's not even given a name. We don't even know her name. The Shunamite woman. No? And this is a Shunamite woman, if I'm right in the Song of Solomon also, right? She's, she, yeah, she's from Shunamite. It's uh, so, okay. It's, it's a different, yeah, same place, right? Yeah, okay. So there are, oh, I don't know. Where did this, where did this, uh, where did this, uh, lady come from? And before her, Solomon sang about some other woman from this, this village seems to have produced extraordinary women. <laughs> Who labored in love. Right? Labored in love. And that's a question God is asking us. She saw a need. She saw, it all began because she saw a need. I don't think she even knew who he really was. That she probably thought he's a prophet. But she didn't know the prophet. All she saw, she saw a need. And that's where it all begins. God says, do you see a need? When you come to the house of God, when you're in the community of God's people, do you see a need? That's what Hebrews 6 was talking about. I, I see your labor. You see a need. Do you see a need? And you say, you know what? I can do something about it. I can do something about it. That's what she says. This prophet and his servant always, and she probably sees from her front yard or wherever, you know, he looks tired. Okay, so one day said, why don't you come and eat a meal? Okay, and then she has said, well, going, no, every time you go this way, please come. My house is always open for you. Please come and eat. Everybody says that, but second time when Elisha, when he found the welcome was as good as the first one, or probably better. Third time he realized it is as good. No grumbling like Martha. Oh, no, why is my sister? Say nothing. Every time it is the same. Open-hearted welcome. Because sometimes, you know, I mean, a prophet is a different case. Sometimes you want to know, this welcome is me to kuch to kuch to gad bade. Ye doot me to kuch to kuch hai. Paani hai. There's something. Who will, that's the whole thing. Who will give like this? 
There's something in it. That's what the prophet said. What do you want? What can I do for you? <laughs> what can I do for you? And she said, nothing, I'm good. And prophet was surprised. Right? Even when the king asked me something, it's got an ulterior motive. This woman wants nothing. Okay, that's why the Shunammite woman is a very special person. Like I said, there are special women in the Bible. It's very special women in the Bible. Almost all these women of God in the Bible, only few are mentioned by name or character. They are all special. And the other ones who are terrible. Only two kinds of women you see in the entire Bible. The very good and the very bad. We have an Athalia, Athalia and a Jezebel and all those, you know, very bad ones. And these incredible women. Incredible. And she's an incredible woman. It's a picture of a church. These are all pictures of a church. A church that gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. We we'll talked about the grace of giving. The grace of giving. No, the grace that saves us. The grace that overcomes. That grace that works hard. The grace that gives. No expectations. Nothing. Nothing. And that's what God is talking about. She saw a need. She met that need. She pursued that man was holy. And she made room for the holy. And she furnished the room for the holy. And she received a word in that room. And that word will birth life. It's a principles for us. Simple principles for us. You will receive a word when you make a room for me. Because the Bible is very clear. If I'm right, it's for Samuel 2.30. For Samuel 2.30. Yes, 2.30. Yeah. Far be it me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly. Those who honor me. See, God is no man's debtor. God man's debtor. Those who honored him. She had honored him. Okay, she had honored him. And God says, you know what? Now I have to honor you. You have no need? No need. She went back. He called Gahasi and said, what is that we can do for her? He said, she has no child. The husband is very old. Call her back. Call her back. Not in our wildest dreams, she thought, opening up a home for a servant of God would result this miracle in her life. Because whom God honors, who honors God? God honors. And also, John twelve twenty six. If I am right again, rider. Twelve twenty six. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my son. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. She was honoring Christ. The Christ in Elisha. The spirit of Christ in Elisha. Anyone serves me, my father will honor him or her. Because God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. No. A day of great rewards are coming. <laughs> Eyes haven't seen or ears heard what is going to be the roll call in heaven. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes, you are faithful. I saw your labor of love. I think men will be all on the right side. Great works of faith. And so many women on the other side. Great labor of love. And we'll, they got more, my wife got more crowds than me. God said, yeah, but I was the one with faith, but she had the labor of love. She had the work of faith. Okay, so don't stop. Don't stop. I don't want to get into the next part because if you go into the four items, 
It will go for another one and a half hours. Okay. But look at this. Ask God, show me a need. Show me a need. Okay. Show me a need, Lord. And give me your love that I will keep on. Because you need to realize the love of God cannot be contained. It cannot be stopped. It's an unending supply and strength behind it. Behind it. And you don't have to be a rich person for that. She was a well-to-do woman. That does not mean only well-to-do people can do this service. Most of the people who did were poor women in the Bible. Poor. Martha and Mary, and all, they were not rich people. They were poor people. Most of the people who took care of Jesus were poor women. One was there from, from the house of Chusa, but the rest of them are all simple women. But we are not looking at Christ now. Is Christ is there. But we are looking at, we go back to Hebrews, right? 6 and verse 10. What God talks about. If you look around, you'll always see. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's what happened in the upper room. The women were all crying. And Peter came over there. You see, you see how she ministered? You see? Meaning, till her last moment, till when she was dying, she was still making clothes for saints. And these are the ones. Rest all have been given away. These are the last finished or some unfinished product. This is what she was doing in the church. She was a blessing to the saints in the church. And Peter sent everybody out, knelt down. His heart was moved. Lord, I know, I know, Lord, you will never be unjust to forget the labor of Lord. He knelt down, the Spirit of God moved in him, he opened his mouth and said, Tabitha, rise up, rise up, and restored back. For what? Continue to do your labor of love. A resurrection took place. A resurrection took place. Okay? And that's what the Bible is talking about. Okay? The resurrection, life will come into us. Miracles happen in our life. God will supernaturally intervene and do things in our life which we don't even dare ask God. Because it is beyond the realm of our faith. <laughs> realm of our faith. Okay, please remember this. Faith, love will take you where even faith cannot take you. Amen? We'll stop there for today. Father, this morning we just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. Lord, I pray that you have spoken to everyone in every country who have been hearing. Every brother, every sister. And I pray nobody will give up. Maybe they heard so much about faith and they look, everything looks bleak. Nothing looks possible. For some people, it is impossible. Some people, they have no need. But there is always one need in the kingdom of God. That the labor of love cannot stop. It cannot stop. Even the cross and the crucifixion could not stop your labor of love from the cross. It was not faith. It was love that poured down from the cross. And I pray, Father, we will awake to this reality, Lord. That the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace is the spirit of love. That no one would grow weary. No one would grow weary. For love never grows weary. Love never fails. That's what it is written in your scripture. God never fails 
and love never fails. And we saw today that God is not unjust to forget the labor of love of your saints. And I want to thank you, Father, for so many saints in the body of Christ everywhere, <coughs> quietly, unseen, in their pain, in their misery, in their grief. They have continued laboring, Lord, taking care of the infirm, taking care of the HIV children, the wounded. They have been stopped. They have been beaten. They have been bruised. They have been robbed. They have been raped. But they have got up again and continue laboring, Lord. And I speak into their spirits today. God will not forget your labor of love. Do not grow weary. Don't grow weary. Continue doing. Even if you get no rewards on earth, it is fine. The day of rewards is only coming. Whatever reward you get on earth, it will be gone in this lifetime. But what you receive in heaven, it's imperishable. Neither moth nor rust or thieves can take it away. It is forever and ever. Empower people, Lord. Strengthen people, Lord. Fill us, O Lord. Baptize you not only with your spirit's power, but also with the love of your spirit, Lord. Baptize us, Lord, that we will be able to see a need in the body of Christ. Need in the lives of saints and meet that need. And then God will open us opportunities where we are able to regularly meet that need. And one day we have a ministry of needs because we built a home for you. And suddenly we realize I have been given a ministry because God has found me faithful. I didn't even know I was chosen. I was called and set apart. Anoint your people today, Lord. Anoint. Anoint, Lord. Anoint. Break the yoke of selfishness. Break that yoke Fill us with your spirit. Make us like you. For as we sing, God giveth, and he giveth, and he giveth. And the same God lives in us. Help us to take the restraints off, the limits off, of what God can do through us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for today. We believe this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and continue laboring in your vineyard, Lord, for your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.